Chapter 5, Part 2, Book 1 of Confession of a Child of the Century. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jesse. Confession of a Child of the Century by Alfred de Musset. Translated by Kendall Warren. Book 1, Part 2, Chapter 5. One evening I was seated by the fire with Dejeuner. The window was open. It was one of the early days in March, a harbinger of spring. It had been raining and a sweet odor came from the garden. What shall we do this spring? I asked. I do not care to travel. I shall do what I did last year, replied Dejeuner. I shall go to the country when the time comes what i replied do you do the same thing every year are you going to begin life over again this year what would you expect me to do what would i expect you to do i cried jumping to my feet that is just like you ah dejeuner how all this wearies me do you never tire of this sort of life no he replied i was standing before an engraving of the madeleine involuntarily i joined my hands what are you doing asked dejeuner if i were an artist i replied and wished to represent melancholy i would not paint a dreamy girl with a book in her hands what is the matter with you this evening he asked smiling no in truth i continued that madeleine in tears has the spark of hope in her bosom that pale and sickly hand on which she supports her head is still sweet with the perfume with which she anointed the feet of her lord you do not understand that in that desert there are thinking people who pray this is not melancholy it is a woman who reads he replied dryly. And a happy woman, I continued, and a happy book. Dejeuner understood me. He saw that a profound sadness had taken possession of me. He asked if I had some secret cause of sorrow. I hesitated, but did not reply. My dear Octave, he said, if you have any trouble, do not hesitate to confide in me. Speak freely, and you will find that I am your friend. I know it, I replied. I know I have a friend. That is not my trouble. He urged me to explain. But what will it avail, I asked, since neither of us can help matters? Do you want the bottom of my heart, or merely a word and an excuse? Be frank, he said. Very well, I replied. You have seen fit to give me advice in the past, and now I ask you to listen to me as I have listened to you. You ask what is in my heart, and I am about to tell you. Take the first comer and say to him, Here are people who pass their lives drinking, riding, laughing, gambling, enjoying all kinds of pleasures. 
no barrier restrains them their law is their pleasure women are their playthings they are rich they have no cares not one all their days are days of feasting what do you think of it unless that man happened to be a severe bigot he would probably reply that that was the greatest happiness that could be imagined then take that man into the thick of the action place him at a table with a woman on either side a glass in his hand a handful of gold every morning and say to him this is your life while you sleep near your mistress your horses neigh in the stables while you drive your horses along the boulevards your wines are ripening in your walls while you pass away the night drinking the bankers are increasing your wealth you have but to express a wish and your desires are gratified you are the happiest of men but take care lest some night of carousal you drink too much and destroy the capacity of your body for enjoyment that would be a serious misfortune for all the ills that afflict human flesh can be cured except that you ride some night through the woods with joyous companions your horse falls and you are thrown into a ditch filled with mud and it may be that your companions in the midst of their happy fanfares will not hear your cry of anguish it may be that the sound of their trumpets will die away in the distance while you drag your broken limbs through the deserted forest some night you will lose at the gaming table fortune has its bad days when you return to your home and are seated before the fire do not strike your forehead with your hands and do not allow sorrow to moisten your cheeks with tears do not bitterly cast your eyes about here and there as though seeking for a friend do not under any circumstances think of those who under some thatched roof enjoy a tranquil life and who sleep holding each other by the hand for before you on your luxurious bed will sit a pale creature who loves your money you will seek from her consolation for your grief and she will remark that you are very sad and ask if your loss was considerable the tears from your eyes will concern her deeply for they may be the cause of allowing her dress to grow old or the rings to drop from her fingers do not name him who won your money that night for she may meet him on the morrow and she may make sweet eyes at him that would destroy your remaining happiness that is what is to be expected of human frailty have you the strength to endure it are you a man beware of disgust it is an incurable evil death is more to be desired than a living distaste for life have you a heart beware of love for it is worse than this ease for a debauchee and it is ridiculous debauchees pay their mistresses and the woman who sells herself has no right but that of contempt for the purchaser are you passionate take care of your face 
it is shameful for a soldier to throw down his arms and for a debauchee to appear to hold to anything his glory consists in touching nothing except with hands of marble that have been bathed in oil in order that nothing may stick to them are you hot-headed if you desire to live learn how to kill for wine is a wrangler have you a conscience take care of your slumber for a debauchee who repents too late is like a ship that leaks it can neither return to land nor continue on its course the winds can with difficulty move it the ocean yawns for it it careens and disappears if you have a body look out for suffering if you have a soul despair awaits you o oh, unhappy one beware of men while they walk along the same path with you you will seem to see a vast plain strewn with garlands where a happy throng of dancers trip the gladsome furandole standing in a circle each a link in an endless chain it is but a mirage those who look down know that they are dancing on a silken thread stretched over an abyss that swallows up all who fall and shows not even a ripple on its surface what foot is sure nature herself seems to deny you her divine consolation trees and flowers are yours no more you have broken your mother's laws you are no longer one of her foster children the birds of the field become silent when you appear you are alone beware of god you are face to face with him standing like a cold statue upon the pedestal of will the rain from heaven no longer refreshes you it undermines and weakens you the passing wind no longer gives you the kiss of life the benediction on all that lives and breathes it buffets you and makes you stagger every woman who kisses you takes from you a spark of life and gives you none in return you exhaust yourself on phantoms wherever falls a drop of our sweat there springs up one of those sinister weeds that grow in graveyards die you are the enemy of all who love blot yourself from the face of the earth do not wait for old age do not leave a child behind you do not fecundate a drop of your corrupted blood vanish as does the smoke do not deprive a single blade of living grass of a ray of sunlight when i had spoken these words i fell back in my chair and a flood of tears streamed from my eyes ah dejeuner i cried sobbing this is not what you told me did you not know it and if you did why did you not tell me of it but dejeuner sat still with folded hands he was as pale as a shroud and a long tear trickled down his cheek a moment of silence ensued the clock struck i suddenly remembered that it was this hour and this day one year ago 
that my mistress deceived me. Do you hear that clock? I cried. Do you hear it? I do not know what it means at this moment, but it is a terrible hour and one that will count in my life. I was beside myself and scarcely knew what I was saying. But that instant a servant rushed into the room. He took my hand and led me aside, whispering in my ear, Sir, I have come to inform you that your father is dying. He has just been seized with an attack of apoplexy, and the physicians despair of his life. End of chapter 5, part 2, book 1 End of part 2 End of book 1